0: seemed like the thing that really grabbed me was working with humans. For some reason, it drives me.
1: Welcome to our podcast series, My Life as a Research Assistant. This series is brought to you by Kessler Foundation, where we are changing the lives of people with disabilities. Research assistants are on the front lines of our research studies collecting data, conducting interviews, testing subjects. And are the face of Kessler Foundation to our research study participants. In 2020, Kessler Foundation was ranked among one of the best nonprofits to work for and best places to work in New Jersey. Throughout this series, we'll meet up with research assistants from our mobility, spinal cord injury, stroke, traumatic brain injury, and neuroscience and neuropsychology centers who have been with the foundation for over a year and some that are now senior research assistants, nurses, MD, MS candidates, postdocs, and those that have entered into many more professions. In this episode, I met up with Stephen Canton, a former research assistant biomedical engineer in our Center for Mobility and Rehabilitation Engineering Research, who is currently an MD, MS candidate at the University of Pittsburgh School of Medicine, poised to graduate in May 2021. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself?
0: I'm from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. I live there with my mom and my dad. My mom's from New Orleans, Louisiana. My dad's from St. Croix, Virgin Islands. I have a twin brother. I went to the University of Pittsburgh for my undergrad degree in bioengineering with a minor in mechanical engineering design. And then from then, I went to Louisiana State University to get my master's in kinesiology, where I wrote a thesis, actually. And then I'm about to matriculate to medical school, University of Pittsburgh School of Medicine, and I'm not quite sure what I want to specialize in yet.
1: Tell us, why did you come to the Kessler Foundation?
0: I'm going to give you a little bit of background. So initially, I'm going to start actually before college. <laughs> I wasn't sure. I was always interested in math and science, um, but I wasn't sure what I would really go into my parents are actually engineers by trade. Actually, my mother decided to become a teacher. So I wasn't sure which route I would go and I've always been kind of the person to break the mold. I didn't wanna just follow my parents' footsteps just because. So then I went to a summer program at Carnegie Mellon University. It It was called SAM, Summer Academy for Math and Science. And I started looking at different engineering fields, and I just fell in love with bioengineering off the bat. So then I started looking into bioengineering programs around the country. And Pitt just seemed great because it had the combination of good engineering and great healthcare.
1: And it so has the Steelers. It
0: has the Steelers, of course. <laughs> A lot of other great things going on in Pittsburgh. <laughs> Penguin just won the uh, Stanley Cup.
1: Uh, there you <laughs> go. Yep.
0: Um, I went to Pitt for bioengineering, and... Again, bioengineering is a field that can touch many different areas. Um, Kind of one of the chief complaints about bioengineering, at least in the past, was that you know a lot of everything, but not a lot of, or you know much, you know a lot of things, but not a lot about a single thing. Mm -hmm. Like you don't have a a specific thing that you're really great at. Mm -hmm. And that was hard to translate into the work field. So as I was hearing that, I was like, well, I need to start focusing on one thing. So I decided to focus on biomechanics. Biomechanics is also a field that you can do many different things. You could do micro biomechanics for tissues, You could do macro in terms of like body movement and things like that. Um, So I was like, well, what am I gonna do with my biomechanics? And you get all these different things coming at you in undergrad and you just, one, you just wanna get the work done. So you don't have time to really focus. And the Mm -hmm. thing that really helped me was research. So I started getting, somebody introduced me to research and I started getting into that and that's really what propelled me to where I am today. Um, It gave me some relevance to what I was learning in the classroom. I graduated, I'm like, what am I gonna do? My brother actually had transferred to LSU, Louisiana State University, um, prior to me graduating from the University of Pittsburgh. He said, you should look into some programs down here. And I was like, Okay, <laughs> I kind of a go with the flow type person. Um, I, I strongly believe that mm-hmm. you know, if you have positive energy it comes back mm-hmm. towards you. So and I wasn't always the most prepared or best planner, but I felt if I just went with my heart I could go where I wanted to eventually go. So then um, I went to LSU with my brother. I interviewed, I actually looked on the website and see what would I be possibly interested in. And there was this great professor That at LSU that I thought I could really connect with and do great research with, and it turns out that right when I wanted to go, he got a new position at Georgia State (laughs) University. (laughs) So um, there was a new young professor, young gunner coming in for in his place, and um, he actually was at in Italy at the time. So we had a phone interview (laughs) or Skype interview, um, you know, coming in. And just to fast forward a little bit, that was a, I didn't know what kinesiology was. Biomechanics at Pitt was in the bioengineering department at LSU was in kinesiology. I had no idea what it was. It turned turned out to be a great fit. And um, he did research on cerebral palsy um, in young children. Uh, And so I got to apply my biomechanics to, you know, these pathologies. And I was like, this is really cool. I finally found something that I think, you know, Really grabs my interest, and and then for the first time at LSU, I saw a robotic exoskeleton, oh, okay. and I was sold. I I, saw, I have to work with these. I have to, and I actually have a video. You know, I'm, I have a caption saying, "This is what I want to work with," and I'm coming toward the end. And actually, that clinical experience also kind of brought my interest into the health field, or mm-hmm. not the health field, but medical field. So that's also where I got my interest in going to medical school. Okay. Also, so. I'm coming toward the end of my master's degree and I need to find a job that you know brings all these ideas together because I love right. engineering and I love the research. I love the clinical aspect. And Kessler was just the perfect fit. I had never heard of it. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, my brother found it on a site. I applied and it actually, I was like, this looks great. But the experience here surpassed even those expectations. Mm-hmm. It's just been a wonderful experience. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, so. That's
1: great. So the types of, um, we have different... Exo mm-hmm. devices here. Mm-hmm. What exactly do you do with working with these exo devices?
0: We have about three, four exo devices. Um, not sure which, if I can say, because of proprietary information. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> um, but we, we, it's, it's a twofold thing. So some of the grants. We're looking at improvements of the actual individual, how they improve in their functionality within the robots. And some of them are more geared toward improving the robots themselves. Mm-hmm. Wow. So, but all in all, you get both while you mm-hmm. do research here because we're putting the patients in so we can still mm-hmm. get that information. It's all about where the grant is geared toward. We have to make sure we fill in those gaps. Um, so that's mainly what we do with the robots. We take patients in, we put them in the robots. We have them do an intervention. Some of the interventions are like a 10-week intervention in which mm-hmm. they walk around in the robots, and um, so we lower the parameters to see how they improve over time. And we, then we do testing, we do pre or baseline, and mm-hmm. then we do mid, and then we do a post-intervention to see how they have improved um, based on the things that we've done.
1: What type of patients are they, for instance? What's what's their modality? Ah, uh, gotcha.
0: Um, I specifically work with spinal cord injury. Mm -hmm. Um, Depending on what we're looking at, the level of the injury can vary greatly, especially also on the robot. Um, Mm -hmm. Some robots can take uh, patients with higher level injuries as opposed to lower, because you have to have trunk control for some of them, Um, significant trunk control. Some of them only require you to have triceps, Um, but you know there are things happening here in the lab where you put stroke patients, but I specifically work with spinal cord injury.
1: Mm-hmm. Now the data that you're collecting, do you actually get to analyze it yourself, yes. or does somebody else?
0: So that was coming in. Um, I don't. I'm not sure. It was <laughs> again twofold. Um, I I have a lot of experience with programming, specifically in MATLAB, and I wasn't sure if I would be able to apply that coming in because one, you know although I did biomechanics, it's different when you apply it in the real world setting. And another thing is, you know, coming in, you're not sure how much the your boss will let you do, especially off the bat. And that's where Dr. Forrest comes in. She, from the very beginning, had great confidence in me. And she let me just dive right into, I could, I had kind of the research assistant role, but then she was kind of playing it by ear with the analysis and the biomedical engineer role. And, um, it just worked out really great. So, from early, I worked with Arvin, um, the senior engineer mm-hmm. here, and he kind of took me under his wing. And now I'm analyzing all types oh, mm-hmm. of data. It's probably the highlight of my day. Um, I come in, we, and the nice part about having both the research assistant and biomedical engineering hats is that I got to see everything that I'm analyzing, right. which makes a huge difference. I, I mean, at least for me, like I said, when coming in, research is what really helped me because I could see how I could apply what I'm learning. So just having that hands-on experience first before just diving into the analysis um, really helps. But we analyze things from um, kinematics. Um, EMG is what I mainly do, which is electromyography. Um, tech scan, which is we, where we analyze the footplate sensors. They're, they're, you put them under the shoes. Um, we also do accelerometers, shimmer. Um, I've got a, opportunities to analyze all types of data while I've been here. It's been great.
1: When you meet with patients, sometimes it could be a ten-week intervention. Mm. I'm sure there's some that are longer. Yeah. Do you actually get to see the difference of a patient from when they first come into the program and when they leave?
0: That's. A... Are
1: there any like visible changes that uh, maybe it helped with their gait?
0: Yes. Yes. The robotic exoskeleton studies, where I see most of their improvements in, this, in their ability to operate the robot. Mm-hmm. It's hard to say that they have significant gains in terms of their overground walking because, you know, one, we see differences, but it's it's in the very early stages, so we need to be careful about what we report. Yes. Uh, in terms of what the robots are doing to these individuals. But aside from that, we do see huge gains in their morale. Mm-hmm. we even seen gains in their bowel movements. They do the ASIA exams with Dr. Kirschblum, Some people reporting, you know... They're moving from different levels of injury, which is great. Um, I don't perform those tests, but I hear about it, and I hear patients, you know, they even tear up of these little little things <laughs> that would seem insignificant to somebody, they see these gains, and it's after the uh, robot intervention. You know, we can't directly relate it yet, but we, we, ha- we have reason to believe that these robots are doing something positive for these patients. <laughs> Another study that I'm on with Dr. Trevor T- Dyson-Hudson is the Dalframperdine study. It's a drug that's administered to people with MS.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So um, it's kind of, we're testing to see how this drug will affect people with spinal cord injury. And it's a double-blinded study where you know no one that I'm immediately in contact with knows exactly, even the patient, um, the nurses, don't know what is, only one person knows if the person has the drug or not. Right. Um, and they come in a couple times a week and they get on the treadmill, they do the treadmill training uh, locomotor training and um, we do tests with Erica to see how they're improving over time. And I tell you, I've probably seen five patients. I don't know if they have the drug or not, but whatever's going on in this study is really helping their, like I can visibly see that they're improving mm-hmm. in their outcomes in terms of like the clinical measures, arm reach. Um, we do a walking test where they do like a 10 meter test and their, their times improve. It's like tangible evidence that there are improvements mm-hmm. Now, I don't know if they have the drug or not, so it's either the locomotor training that's really helping or the drug or both. But in that study, I really see great gains Mm -hmm. um, in the individual themselves in terms of their function. Wow! And morale. So your
1: your days are quite busy, it yeah, seems. Yeah, they really are. <laughs> busy, exciting, yeah, I love you it. know. So that's rewarding excellent. too. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Uh, is there any particular patient that stands out? Oh man, <laughs> we always meet. It's, it's like we always meet one participant yeah. that is like this little beacon.
0: There are actually there's four, and the one, one I only had one interaction with, which is I'll tell you about that guy. There was a guy that when I first came in that he just he's really really down-to-earth guy and it seems you know it takes a special individual um one to deal with spinal cord injury and it takes an even more unique individual to take that spinal cord injury and just you know head straight on and say I'm going to find any possible way to not maybe not walk but you know optimize my life Mm -hmm. so I feel like those are the types of people that we get in these studies you know they're like I'm going to enter the study and they have great attitudes so there's this one patient that um, he you know he was just full of stories about things that he's done and it was a a combination because he had these stories about things that he's encountered in his life even in his daily life these days like he would come in with a smile on his face but something traumatic happened the day before. And you would never know unless he Mm -hmm. told you. And he wasn't telling you, you know, just just looking for sympathy. He was just telling you because we were walking every day. We just had things to talk about. Mm -hmm. He was just a really interesting individual. Um, And then his gains in the robot, by he was, like, the greatest by far. Um, There was another guy that he just was a really interesting character. He had – I love the stories that they have. You know, they – I love hearing about their life and you know things that they had to overcome even before spinal cord injury because mm-hmm. you know we just get these special individuals that it just seems like nothing can bring them down. Right. So those are there's two of them. It's hard to say, like because yeah. I can't say too much. Um, there's also another individual who I can really relate to. Um, he's a younger male um, that sustained a spinal cord injury and he comes in every day with the same like attitude. Like, I'm gonna get this done. Um, we have conversations about whether Allen Iverson is the best basketball player ever. (laughs) He's convinced that Allen Iverson is the best No, (laughs) Larry Bird. Yeah. Well, I don't know about Larry Bird either. (laughs) We're not going to get on that subject. So we have these long debates. We talk about soccer. Um, And it's this quiet kid that now is so much more vocal Mm -hmm. just from coming in every day and speaking with us. And it's just, you know, it's people... I, I say this to some people, it's really a joy every day to come yeah. in. And um, I'm not one to just like, you know, say that for no reason. I, I love working mm-hmm. here. There's another patient. He's, um, he's actually in TBI. And he, I hear him will come in sometimes. He's, he's very vocal. <laughs> he has no filter. <laughs> um, but I was coming around the corner one day, and he had never met me before in his life. And I say hi, and he 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 has such quick witty remarks that it just resonated with me. Like his his whole attitude about, you know, even though he has this traumatic brain injury, he's still that same person that he was before mm-hmm. innately. And I, like, that's just, that's so cool to me that, you know, whatever happens in your life, you still have mm-hmm. your core, like thing that makes you. And, I, you know, I just, those are the people that mm-hmm. really stuck with me while I've been here.
1: So it's great that meeting these people and then being in this environment, how it's helped shape you in a way. And then now the opportunity to go to med school and further.
0: Exactly. So, I mean, I can talk about that a little bit. Sure, that would be great. um, So I told you I had the clinical experience in my master's. That kind of gave me the inkling that I might want to go to medical school. I hadn't thought about it in a long time. I read a book by... um, aside from his political ventures, by Dr. Ben Carson, Mm -hmm. um, gifted hands. And you know, he came from really humble beginnings and it was a really inspirational story to the point where I I think I want to be a neurosurgeon, Mm -hmm. you know, and you know, I I have a lot of interest besides like sports, I've been playing soccer since I was four. Um, I really like photography, things of that nature. So sometimes I'll say, oh, I like this and then kind of venture away. But it's weird because it's always like that medical field always kept like Mm it seemed like it was always calling me in different ways. Um, So then, you know, I did different research opportunities in undergrad. It was like back to microbiology, bacteriophage research. I did research with uh, equine horses. It was all very Mm -hmm. interesting. But it's always, it seemed like the thing that really grabbed me was like human interaction, mm-hmm. um, met, like working with humans. It just, it was, for some reason, that just, I, it drives me. And I have this weird interest, and it's not like a sadistic way. I have this interest in injuries. Mm-hmm. You know, playing sports, I would see somebody get injured, and I wonder how that happened, how I can help them mm-hmm. of that nature. Having that experience in my master's, um with the patients. I didn't get to talk to them that much, but it was again, it gave me that interest in medical school, so I went to find out like what I needed to do mm-hmm. in medical school, but you know, I told you I have these things where I kind of go one way or the other and I'm like, D- is this something that I really want? Because I know once you go into, you know, becoming a doctor, you have to have that <laughs> like I want to do it or else yeah. you're going to be miserable or you won't succeed. Right. Um and coming to Kessler, I know I can go all over the place. But coming to Kessler really solidified that for mm-hmm. me. It's so rewarding. You know, to be able to apply things that I've learned, you know, all the technical stuff, Mm -hmm. programming, analysis, all that stuff, but to see it actually have direct effect on individuals that I, you know, you're not supposed to really, I don't know if you're not supposed to, but it's not encouraged, I guess, to form a personal relationship with, Mm -hmm. you know, people that come in, but you can't help it. You're a human being to see them, you know, the smiles on their face after Mm -hmm. the things that we do. I was like, I I can do this for the rest of my Mm -hmm. life. So um yeah this was the perfect job in everything just bringing everything together and propelling my career.
1: Excellent. That's great. Finding
0: things that I want to do.
1: We've really enjoyed having you here with us even though it a, was a short time it was. but we're also very excited for you and for what the future holds in your uh, educational career, medical career and um just wish you the very best Thank you. as you uh, go on to the University of Pittsburgh. Thanks. You never know when our paths will cross again. Right. Hopefully sooner than later. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. And take care and wish you the best. Thank you. To learn more about Stephen or career opportunities at Kessler Foundation, be sure and check out the program notes for links. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast was recorded on Friday, July 22, 2016 at 300 Executive Drive, West Orange, New Jersey, and was edited and produced by Joan Banks-Smith, creative producer for Kessler Foundation.